Hey, 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 everybody, it's your favorite robot, Bebop, and we're back for episode two of season three of Bebop Tales, and as you know, a lot of times I answer questions before I get into my story, and it just so happens that I have a question right here that fits perfectly with this week's story, and the question comes from Cass who is 12, from Richfield, Minnesota. Cass asks, What do you look like? Well, imagine the handsomest robot you can imagine, and then add some more handsome. Have you ever fought a laser cat who had a million toes? No, I've never fought a laser cat who has a million toes because everybody knows that laser cats... They max out at around 999,531 toes. So I've never actually seen one with a million toes. But good question, Cass. And finally, have you ever been in a Baron Von Messingham aquarium? That is a fascinating question, Cass. And so I'm going to answer it in this week's episode. But first, I need to do the John Ham chant to get my voice going. Are you ready? Jonaham, Jonaham, you aren't here. But I have your credit cards, never fear. Buying whoopee cushions by the crate. Jonaham, Jonaham, prepare to get pranked. That's right, April Fools is coming. But before we get to another prank club episode, we have to find out what happened after Dr. Percolator emerged from his laboratory carrying his strange new invention. And I'll tell you all about it in Bebop Tales Season 3, Episode 2, An Old Friend. Bebop looked at the shape-shifting thing that Dr. Percolator had carried out of his lab. It had gone back to being a ball, lights blipping in different colors all around it, and it silently hung in the air between the two of them. What is it? asked Bebop. It's my new invention, said the doctor. Quickly now, we have to go rescue everybody. Yeah, but what is it? The doctor scratched the back of his neck and seemed to be thinking about how to describe it. It's, uh, it's my uh, new thing, he said. Never mind. Let's just go. Congratulations, said Bebop. That was exactly zero information. Let's start at the beginning. This is what you've been working on for weeks. Months, actually, said the doctor. A little at a time at first, even before you left us. But once you were gone, I knew I had to really, really work on it. Time is of the essence, Tiny. Let's get rolling. The thing turned into a wheel. Well, what do you call it? Said Bebop. Dr. Percolator scratched the back of his neck again. Um, I haven't exactly come up with a name for it yet. I mean, I guess we could just call it a thing. No, you can't call it a thing said Bebop. Everything is a thing. 
This door is a thing. The stairs are a thing. The pencil behind your ear is a thing. But this thing is not a thing. The thing turned into a pencil. Cut it out, said Bebop. He was getting frustrated with Dr. Percolator. Look, you spent months making this thing, and you locked yourself away in secret to do so. And then you threw open this door and dramatically presented it to me as though it was going to save everybody who, by the way, is now in Messingham Prison. And now you're saying this thing is just a thing? Dr. Percolator smiled nervously. We really should be going now, Tiny. What does it do besides shapeshift? Dr. Percolator scratched at the back of his neck again. Don't say it does things. Honestly, I have no idea. I mean, shapeshifting is cool on its own, so we can't say it does nothing, but as to its purpose... You don't know. I... no. I don't know. Bebop started up the stairs. Where are you going? yelled Dr. Percolator, following him. I'm going to save our family. I don't need your thing to tell me how to do that. Bebop went out into the backyard, Dr. Percolator trailing behind him, the thing floating in the air just above the doctor's right shoulder. The heroic robot climbed onto a picnic table, chin pointed to the sky, and hollered, Okay, Messingham, I'm here. You forgot one more robot. Your little tornado missed me, but I'm ready now. Come and get me. But the sky stayed silent. The tornado didn't return. Forget it, Tiny, said Percolator. If he'd wanted to get you, you'd already be in the warlock prison with all the rest. Now, open up a portal and we'll find our own way there. Bebop looked at Percolator. Open up a portal? What do you mean? Come on, said Percolator. I heard all of your stories, all your jumping through interdimensional portals. So open one up so we can find all of your brothers and sisters. Let's go. I can't just open a portal, said Bebop. It's not like I have a portal in my pocket and I can just take it out and open it and boof. There we are in interdimensional space. Does it really make a boof sound? said Percolator. That's not the point. Just please tell me your grand plan wasn't to have me open a portal, which I can't do, so that we can save everybody that we love. No, said Percolator. There is another way, but you're not going to like it. I don't like anything right now, said Bebop. Especially not your useless thing. The thing transformed into a frowny face, but Bebop ignored it. Okay, what's the other way? Follow me, said Percolator. The two of them hopped in Percolator's car and drove off. Along the way, Bebop had begun to feel bad about all of the arguing he had done with the doctor. Percolator had always looked out for Bebop and all of his robots. Again, he felt that lingering doubt from seeing Messingham atop the two towers, pretending to be the doctor. And he decided that, then and there, 
he was going to shake it off and go back to putting his complete trust in the doctor who had created him. Bebop leaned back, plugged into the outlet on the car's dash, and went into sleep mode, secure in the knowledge that the doctor would take care of it all. The doctor shook Bebop awake when they arrived at their destination, and all of the trust that Bebop had placed in the doctor flew right out the window. What are we doing here? yelled Bebop. Are you crazy? That thing tried to eat us. They had arrived at the beach, and in front of them, surfaced just enough so that its eyes were above the water, was the giant mutant whale Bebop had defeated long ago. Season 1, Episode 2, to be specific. Now calm down, Tiny. He's not going to hurt anyone. Dr. Percolator stepped out of the car and approached the whale. Stay back, yelled Bebop. As the giant whale opened its mouth, seawater pouring off of it, the smell of rotted fish, and was that fried food filling the air? Bebop ran to grab Dr. Percolator to pull him away, but the thing turned into a stop sign and held Bebop back. Are you ready? Dr. Percolator said to the whale, and it blinked its eyes. Come on then, he said, turning to Bebop. Unless you have a portal in your pocket now, this is the other way. And Dr. Percolator climbed onto the lower lip of the whale and then disappeared into the beast's maw. The thing followed behind, lighting up the inside of the mouth in red, green, blue, and purple. But Bebop stood with his feet in the sand. There is no way I am going in there, he yelled after the doctor. I'd rather stay here and wait for the tornado. Bebop looked up in the sky. Never before had he been so disappointed to see that it was a beautiful day. You can ride in here with us, said Dr. Percolator, or you can ride outside on the tail. But this is the only way to get to Messingham's new hideout. So it's one way or another. So Bebop climbed into the whale's mouth. No singing this time, he said. But the whale just clamped its mouth shut, and Bebop was plunged into total darkness, except for the tiny lights on the thing. It was cold and wet inside the mouth of the whale, and the stench that had been so disgusting on the beach was now unbearable. So, said Bebop, as the whale lurched into the ocean. He could feel the momentum of the beast's tremendous speed. This is where we die then? Right here? Cool. The thing turned into a gravestone. Very funny, said Percolator. No, we're not going to die here. And actually, we're going to make a stop before we go to Messingham's Warlock Prison. We have to make some preparations. And... Uh Uh-huh. We're already there. See? That's not so bad. The whale had come to a sudden stop. Open up, said Dr. Percolator. And the whale's giant mouth opened. And in the distance, Bebop could just barely make out a strange building. It had huge glass walls and seemed to float on the ocean as its own island 
with no land beneath it. It was like a big bubble, bobbing up and down on the surface of the water. He could make out shapes inside moving quickly back and forth. What is that place? said Bebop. It's the Messingham Aquarium, said Percolator. Aquarium, really? Yep, said Percolator. Is that where he's keeping everybody? No, said Percolator. It's where he's keeping an old friend who can help us defeat him once and for all. Bebop looked again. It made sense now. The shapes and objects, the way they moved, they had the smooth motion of sea creatures. Okay, then let's go already, said Bebop. Come on, whale, get a move on to the aquarium. The whale shut its mouth, but it didn't move an inch. Come on, said Bebop. We don't have all day. We can't go any closer, said Dr. Percolator. If we did, Messingham and his minions would know we were here, and this guy would be captured and put in the aquarium. Okay, said Bebop. That's fine with me. We can be like a Trojan horse. They capture the whale, we're inside the whale, and when no one's looking, we pop out and get him. Dr. Percolator shook his head. It would never be that easy, he said. So then how are we going to get in there? I think you already know the answer, said Percolator. No, I don't know the answer, so why don't you just tell me? The whale shot Bebop out of its blowhole. He soared into the sky, but the journey from blowhole to Aquariham was not as majestic as he would have liked. Bebop began his descent toward the glass bubble, and as he traveled further and further down, faster and faster, he looked for a way, any way, to keep from crashing through the Aquariham. Inside, he could see all sorts of hideous sea creatures, with dozens of tentacles or teeth that spun out of their mouths like whirlpools. Bebop stuck out his arms and tried to arch his back so that he would fly over and beyond the Aquarium, but then something caught his eye. Just to his left, there was the thing flying beside him. He was, for no reason Bebop could figure out, in the shape of a thumbs up. And that was the last thing Bebop remembered seeing before he crashed through the Aquarium glass and into the cold tentacles of a sea monster. Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales, caught by an animal with tentacles. Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales. Okay, well, Cass, I hope that answers your question, and we'll talk more about the aquarium in next week's episode. But... It's time to thank all of the wonderful chefs who have made me dinner over the last couple of months. First, we have Adeline, who's six, and Casper, who's eight, from Vancouver, Canada. Arthur, who's five, from Nashville, Tennessee. Caroline, who's seven, and Abby, who's four, from Madison, Wisconsin. Rosie, who's eight, from Shutesbury, Massachusetts. Ramona, who's four and two-thirds, from San Francisco, California. Zashan, who's ten, Omar, who's eight, and Aaliyah, who's six, from Harrisonburg, Virginia. Our pal Alex, who is five, Alisa, who is nine, and Noah, who is seven, from Braintree, Massachusetts. 
Isaac, who is seven, Oliver, who is six, and Arthur, who is three and a half, from Carborough, North Carolina, Ruth, who is six, from Bloomington, Illinois, George, who is nine, from Cheltenham, England, Milo, who is five, from Tbilisi, in the Republic of Georgia, Gavin, who is five, and Marilla, who is two, from Calgary, Canada, our pal Theo, who is seven, Mateen, from Seattle, Chase from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, Jonah and Joshi from Melbourne, Australia, and Fraser from Aberdeenshire in Scotland. Thank you all so, so much. And now we have a joke from our pal Oliver from Hexham, England. Where did the astronaut park his spaceship? At the parking meteor. (laughs) That's great. Thank you so much, Oliver. And we also have a joke from brothers Alex and Andrew, who are eight and four, from Mentone, California. Take it away, fellas. Hello, my name is Alex, and I'm eight years old from Mentone, California. And here's my joke. What broadcast does Bebop run? Um, what? Bebop tales, Bebop tales, fighting giant dinosaurs and mutant whales. Bebop tales. That's awesome. Thank you so much to Alex and Andrew. And finally, we have a joke from Kyle, who is six, from Mickleton, New Jersey. Hi, my name is Kyle. I'm six years old, and I'm from New Jersey. And I have a joke. What does the robot say when he wins the lottery? Jackpot. (laughs) That's great. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks again to everybody who sent in jokes. Thanks to everyone who has sent in sounds. Thanks to everyone who has sent in art. I really, really appreciate it. And next week, find out how I became the ruler of the Messingham Aquarium. See you then. Hey, parents and teachers. Have you heard about gzmclassroom.com? It's a website where teachers can get companion resources for everyone's favorite GZM shows. Six Minutes, Mars Patel, Podcast Title Pending, Seis Minutos, The Res, Becoming Mother Nature, Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, Treasure Island 2020, The Hollow, Young Ben Franklin, and The Big Fib all have companion resources for additional critical thinking, listening comprehension, and ultimately creativity. We made them just for you. And oh yeah, they're free. Free! The people on Facebook didn't believe us, but they are F-R-E-E free. Head to gzmclassroom.com and get yours today.